All right. Well, it is truly a privilege of mine to be here today. I'm just very thankful for Kevin and Danielle and uh, Spark Church. My name is Chris Lockett. Uh, my wife and I, Marissa, and our kids, Nick and Madison, have been members of Spark since the beginning. Um, and my cousin Sarah is here with us tonight. So, Sarah, thanks for coming. Um, I first learned of Kevin from his role at Spiritual Life Director at King's Academy. And Marissa and I have been very thankful for their impact in our lives at King's. As a matter of fact, last year we went through the foundation experiment and studied the Bible in the year. And that was like drinking through a fire hose. Uh, but we enjoyed it. But I can tell you this, uh, that for a good part of my life, I would never have been studying the Bible, and I would never be doing any of that stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, I would have considered myself a Bible thumper as I am today uh, for how I love to read the Bible and, and study uh, about Jesus. It was really the last thing that I ever thought I would be doing would be standing here today talking to you. <laughs> so last few months, we've been talking about Genesis. Genesis is a book of beginnings, and Kevin asked me to share my personal story, uh, the story about how God used circumstances and people to get a hold of my heart and to connect my heart to my head and to discover who he is. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a ride. It's been a ride. Um, so I'm going to start my story uh, through... My time when I was in the Navy, circa 1995-1996. Okay, um, this is a picture of Marissa and I, and um, it takes place over three distinct events from 95 to 96. And this is going to be a story of how God used circumstances to get a hold of me. Now, because I was in the Navy, this is a sea story, so I titled it a sea story. Um, and generally, sea stories are big, huge uh, stories of far-off adventures and going to far places. Uh, they're almost like fishing stories. So they're kind of slightly exaggerated. Uh, and Nick, Maddie, and I have a ton of fishing stories. We have fishing stories where we catch a big fish and the fish gets away. Uh, the story I'm about to tell you today is absolutely true, and it took place in a sequence of events. Um, I'm going to start out with the first one in 1995, and I call it the catastrophe at sea, averted. Um, I was a submarine officer. I was stationed on a submarine in Pearl Harbor, and Marissa and I had been married for three years. Um, we had no children at the time. We were married without kids. Um, it's a story about the illusion of control. We think that we have control over situations. And how I missed something really big. I nearly killed a bunch of people. It moved me deeply. Um, I'm going to talk about a special message and a job that was given to me. Um, and the question was, was I ready for that? There was a mix of emotions at that time. Joy, anger, disappointment, a whole flood of emotions. And then I'm going to cover a single question that somebody took their own personal time to ask and the eternal implications to those and how you respond to those. Um, best teachers in my life have always asked questions. They didn't tell me stuff. 
This is a story of someone who asked a question. So these three things took place all over the Pacific Ocean. Um, First story starts down in the eastern Australia, spring of 1995. The second one takes place in the western Pacific in the fall, and I end up in Pearl Harbor. Um, I'll, get, I'll tell you a little bit, of, I'll give you some background, and then we'll go into the first story. Um, I was stationed aboard the USS Kamehameha. USS Kamehameha is an old submarine uh, configured to launch nuclear missiles. They pulled all the missiles off, and he put dry deck shelters on board. It was named after US, uh, King Kamehameha of the Hawaiian Islands, who, who brought all the uh, islands together. And the Kamehameha um, had two dry deck shelters on the back of it. Here's some pictures. What they have are two big tubes, and inside them are mini submarines. And you have divers and SEALs uh, stationed in these things. And our job is to train to deliver those SEALs. It's an extremely dangerous operation to launch divers from a submarine underwater. Um, And as a Navy diver, I'm very sensitive to how dangerous that is. If you change the depth of the submarine, you can actually uh, give everyone the bends and you could kill them. So it's very difficult. So changing perspectives. The catastrophe at sea, I'm going to start with the Eastern Australia, spring of 1995. The illusion of control. And I think of this verse. Paul says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. He's talking about love. And he's saying that we don't see things exactly as they are. But one day we will. For now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have fully known. So the story takes place off of Australia. Uh, This is a blow-up of the area. We're off the coast. And um, I'm right... Um, let me go back here real quick. And we're, we're doing operations off the coast. In this case, we had spent days and days uh, doing this work. I was standing officer of the deck. I was driving the sub. And um, I want to give you a kind of a background to the story. This is what periscopes and masts look like on a submarine when you're at periscope depth. So if you can imagine, the submarine's underwater, and this is about all you have sticking up. Okay? Very hard for people to see this. Very hard for ships to see. And it's in this condition that we're launching divers. It's also important to know, this is a picture of the electromagnetic spectrum, but basically the point here is you, don't, you can't see everything that's going on around you. As much as you think you'd like to see, you think you see everything, you really don't. And so here's the setup. Uh, we're sitting there somewhere off the coast. There's the Kamehameha. These uh, operations are so dangerous, you must have a tug safety boat with you at all times sitting about 500 yards off the aft starboard bow at all times. And that ship looks something like this. It's pretty big. Um, There's a lot of ship under the water that you don't see. And it's, uh, we're wrapping up a long day. Uh, We were closing up a day of operations. I'm sitting at the periscope. And as officer deck, you're the only one who has eyes on the seat, on the scene. So you're driving the ship. You're supposed to be in control of the whole thing. And this is about all you can see of a ship through that periscope at night. You see a top light on the ship, and you see its port running light, which means the ship is going this way. That's the picture when the ship's about 500 yards away from you. 
And so we're wrapping up everything. Um, and I'm going to reenact this situation for you so you can kind of see the situation. But um, in reality, you're sitting on a scope and you're doing these turns. And you're scanning the horizon. And you've got about three feet of scope out of the water. And you're looking. And about every minute and a half, I'm looking at this ship. Uh, so we're wrapping everything up. We secure operations. The captain leaves the bridge. He says, I'm going down to ride the bike. Wrap it up, take everything out, and go. So a whole flurry of things start happening. Um, doors shut, things turn on, uh, tanks moving, moving water from tank to tank, a whole bunch of stuff is going on. And I'm scanning, and um, I hear this report. Uh, Connie SM, signal strength four contact, bearing 116. Signal strength four contact means you're about to get hit by somebody. Um, so here we are. I look out the scope, and this is what I see. I see the tugboat about 10 yards away from me, driving straight toward my periscope. A couple things that are important. The water that we're in is so shallow, I'm not allowed to change depth or to go below my current depth. And I've got a bunch of mass sticking out of the water. Matter of fact, we're so shallow, if I take too much of a, uh, a depth excursion, I'm going to put the submarine into the ground. It'll be a grounding. I'll hit the bottom of the ocean. So I turn around and see this. And my actions kick in. You know, lowering number two mast. Chief of the watch, lower all masts and antennas. Dive, make your depth X zero feet. The diving officer says, officer of deck, we have commander's um, standing orders. I'm not allowed to change the depth. I said, change the depth now. Go down. Then all of a sudden I hear red sounding, red sounding, red sounding. Then I hear sonar saying, signals, high bearing rate contact, collision course coming straight at us. My scope's down. Everything's down. I have no idea what's going on. And what happened? The tug sped up, turned into port, and it drove right over the top. A two-second delay, I would have broken a mast. They would have hit the divers. I would have had a 21-inch hole in the submarine. I would have had water coming in. At periscope depth, you don't have enough time to blow the tanks to get to the surface. You really, really could kill people. I narrowly escaped it. It was a catastrophe avoided. Um, captain came to the bridge. <clears throat> the event had passed. We did reconstruction, figured out what was going on. I said to myself, what happened? How did we miss it? I missed seeing the tugboat when he turned. Sonar wasn't paying attention. I had one guy on an ESM mast that made a, uh, a call. If he hadn't have said that, quite literally, a dozen people could have been killed. When you go through something like that, um, and at that point, um, I, I stayed on watch and we were wrapping everything up, you start to think about how important people are. 
you start to think about what if I didn't listen, what would have happened? I think about my friend Craig who was sitting as a diver in that shelter and his kids. I was thinking about my other shipmates. I was thinking about how close I was to a disaster. And you ask yourself questions. Why do you do that? Why did I avert? Why did that disaster get averted? And I think it's because God was telling me something. I think God was telling me, when you think you're in control, you really aren't. There's a bigger picture out there, and you probably are not seeing everything that's going on. That changed my perspective on a lot of things. Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, I'm going to fast forward now uh, to a very special message that was delivered to me and a big job that was handed over to me. I'm going to fast forward um, to October of 1995. I was in the Western Pacific. Um, I had a flurry of emotions during this time. And I had the question, are you ready? Asked me. And the thought that I had, and the verse that I think about is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So I was sitting in the Pacific Ocean, and there's a picture of me and some friends. Uh, we were traveling from Pearl Harbor to the Western Pacific. Uh, we had received a message a couple months earlier that Marissa was pregnant with our first baby. Very exciting time. A lot of good things going on. But I was really upset because they, I was on the ship, and I was scheduled to be underway when she was delivering. She was in Pearl Harbor. Um, Our family wasn't available. She was by herself. And quite frankly, they probably could have done without me for a week. Um, But um, the executive officer on the submarine said, hey, you're in the Navy. And by the way, the first one is always late. So we'll be done, and then you can fly home. And uh, I I told Reed Tanaka, well, I, I I said, Commander Tanaka, Thank you, but uh, I still was not happy. I was pretty upset about this whole situation. So um, I'm going to read to you from my log, not my log, my little note that I have, uh, of what was going through my mind. October 30th, 1995, 7.20 p.m. India time. It was actually the 29th of October back in, in Hawaii. I was turning over his Eau. I was in the captain's stateroom. He said we were going to go over some questions. He was doing his normal training. And after the turnover and a discussion, he said, I have a big job for you. Are you ready? And I replied, I'm always ready. And I'm not doing much right now. <laughs> I'm kind of upset because I'm not really doing much on the boat. I should be off with my wife. Okay? And he said, um, so Lieutenant Lockett, I want you to raise your son to be a Christian. He said, congratulations, Chris. Here's the message. He shook my hand. I said, yes, Captain, I will. 
I had no idea what he was saying. I smiled because I was happy. I'll read, I'll read the message to you. Lieutenant Lockett, uh, okay, Marissa wrote this message, sort of. She, most of it to the end. Aloha, our baby looks just like you. I only gave him one freckle on his leg. I love you and can't wait to see you. I'm fine. Recovery's a breeze. Birth is not as bad as everyone says. See, see if you can come home soon, Marissa. Uh, <laughs> I have a great sea story of how Marissa sent me the notification about Nick, but that's another story. Uh, it's fantastic. But I want you to capture uh, the emotions I was going through. Here's what I wrote. Here's what I wrote. I smiled, I gleamed with joy, and the inside of my stomach flipped and churned with disappointment. I'm, I'm a little immature. I'm 25, 26 at the time. I'm very... I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed, I'm upset. What an unusual feeling to have. So happy to report a healthy baby and a mother and so utterly dejected that I missed his birth. They made a 1MC announcement, uh, was made. Here's a picture of Captain Reese. This is another picture of him, but he's a fantastic man. I respect him. Captain Reese told me to do something, I would do it because I respected him that deeply. Now, quite frankly, I had no idea what, raised, what being a Christian was. Um, there's a picture of my cake. I'm all happy. On the inside, I'm churning. And I don't know what to do with this statement, raise your son to be a Christian. Um, it's an important job, and what am I going to do? I mean, how seriously am I going to take that? Am I going to figure out what that is? This other message that I saved is the personal message from the commandant to the captain saying, telling the captain what's, that, that Chris is gonna, Chris's wife had a baby and everything's fine. Please pass the message. Um, I saved this message because it shows that they really do care about people in the military. But um, when I flew back and got back into port, I was able to see Nick for the first time. There's my picture of baby with baby neck, and as a new father, you're, you know, some of the new fathers in the room can probably attest, it's a life-altering experience, and I had just committed to raising my son to be a Christian, which I don't know what that means, I mean, what does that mean, I don't know, um, but my perspective shifted, and then we come to a, a final perspective shift, a simple question, and a new beginning. So I'm going to fast forward a couple months. It's now spring of 1996. Um, we're back in Pearl Harbor. I have just left the submarine. I'm on a surface uh, uh, tour. We're new parents. And Marissa says, you know, we really need to go to church and actually raise our child in a responsible way. So um, we, we, uh, we show up at the sub-base chapel Bear in mind, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a professing Christian at the time. I wasn't born in the church. I wasn't raised in the church. I know nothing about uh, God himself. And um, I get approached by Captain Repschold, who's on staff at Subpack, and he looks at me and he says, Chris, looks like you have some questions. You want to talk about some stuff. 
And remember, I'm still kind of upset at the Navy and mad. And I'm like, yes, I have a whole bunch of questions. I have a question about God. I have a question about why did he do this to me? I'm like, why, you know, what's this? And what about sacrifice? And what are all these things? I had all sorts of questions. And he said, Chris, why don't you come up to my office and um, we'll talk and we'll answer questions. The best teachers I've ever had asked me questions. And they want discussion. And I think of this verse. Jesus asked questions. He asked Peter, who do you say I am? He didn't say, I am the Christ, I'm the Messiah. He said, who do you say I am? What Captain Repschold did was ask me questions. And they led to a much bigger and better story. Um... My first meeting with Captain Repschult was, uh, what kind of questions do you have? And I probably peppered him with about 40 of them. But he answered every question with grace, with accuracy. He resolved any questions I had. He wasn't, um, he didn't give me Sunday school pat answers, but we had discussion. And finally, he looked at me and he said, you know what, Chris, it looks like we need to look at the book of Romans. Let's study the book of Romans. And I was reluctant, but I decided I would go and uh, talk to him. And the following Wednesday, um, we opened the Book of Romans. And I read the first sentence with him. And I am not kidding, but when I took that step and I engaged in reading. Up until that time, reading the Bible was blah, 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 blah. At that moment, my eyes were opened, and I heard the Word of God as I read it. I know what it means when it says, I was blind, and now I see. We spent several months with, I spent several months with Captain Repschel going through the Bible. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this. Romans 1 is a seven verses for one sentence. This is how Captain Repschult disciples people. We start with Romans 1. Oh, let's get a background of Romans. Okay, let's talk about Paul. Who's Paul? Oh, let's talk about a bondservant. What's a bondservant really mean? Christ? Christ Jesus, the Messiah? Who is he? Let's talk about that. Uh, Jesus, the man. Let's talk about what called means. Let's talk about being set apart. How about the gospel? Okay, how about, um, let's talk about who God is. Is there a God? Um, Talk about what did he promise beforehand, when, through. I mean, you you get the point. Every word was an education. He let me see a bigger picture. He connected my head to my heart. He didn't fill me with facts but he helped explain who God was. He let me understand who Jesus was. It changed my perspective forever. And all it took is one person to ask a question and want to engage. So my changed perspective, my sea story, the catastrophe was averted. I learned how to depend on others. 
and knowing that I don't have all the information. It's the perspective of the periscope. When you look out of a periscope, you are seeing a limited view. How many of us are looking at the world in a limited view? How many times do we have someone talking to us and we don't listen? How often have you avoided catastrophe because maybe you did listen to somebody? The illusion of control. And how do I act now? A special message, a big job, am I really ready? Will I listen now that I know I need to listen to people? If somebody gives me a message, am I going to listen? There's more to life than just me. There's a much bigger story out there. A simple question and a new beginning. The importance of one single question and internal consequences. And seeing God's bigger, better picture and pursuing him and living him. Uh, These are the kind of things that happen when God grabs a hold of your heart. And he has control of circumstances. You think you have control. But what you really find out is God is trying to teach you something. And in my case, what he was doing was exposing me to his bigger story. And it has been a beautiful story ever since. You see, my sea story became a sea story. I actually saw who God was. I saw... Jesus, I saw how he works through people and circumstances. And even though I'm upset that I'm not with my wife for her delivery, he, he used that circumstance to bless me. And of course, when my daughter came, I was able to attend her, her birth. Things change when you see things. So I'd like to call the, uh, the band up now, and uh, we'll be, I'll, I'll close us in prayer. But I want to say a few things. I'm happy to say I'm a proud father of two. Maddie, you know, Maddie's the cutest little girl at, uh, with her little curls coming up. That's, that's a picture here in California. And, of course, now they're all grown up. Um, recent trip to New York. But um, you guys can come on up. You guys can come on up. And... Um, They really don't like the serendipity picture, but I thought it's actually interesting because at some point in my story, I really thought it was serendipity. Like I kind of stumbled upon something big. Uh, But um, uh, I'm very thankful for how God has spoken to me and how God has used circumstances. And I think I'm going to close this in prayer and uh, go from there. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you're a mighty and awesome God. You're a God of new beginnings. And you're a God that uses circumstances uh, to reach us and to teach us. We thank you for being here today. Thank you for Spark Church. We, we lift a special prayer up for Kevin and Danielle as they're on their tour in Israel. I pray you bless them. I pray you lead them and uh, all the people that are with them to a fuller and more complete um, understanding and relationship with you. And for us today, we lift our hands up to you and give you glory and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.